0: Look at his movements, the most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. What a goal! Sensational! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again! The world is left to wonder, wide-eyed,
1: thrilled, bemused, how on earth did that happen?
2: Hello, and welcome to a special Tuesday morning edition of Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. This week will be a little different. We're only doing one show because the EPL is off this weekend. The FA Cup will be played instead. And we have some Serie A midweek stuff. Then they also play over the weekend. And of course, there is a host of other European soccer to get to. But before we get to all of that, we will start with two semifinals of the EFL Cup, the Carabao Cup. And we could have ourselves a tasty, not just for this podcast, but in soccer in general, potential. North London Derby in a final, but before we get that, both Tottenham and Arsenal will have to win. And we'll start on Wednesday with the Spurs match. They're plus 285, road underdogs traveling to Chelsea, who are plus 100 on the money line. The draw is plus 255. Currently, Wednesday, 245 p.m. kickoff at Stamford Bridge. Gentlemen, Chelsea, the wobble sort of continues. They didn't win. They didn't beat Liverpool. Hell of a match, 2-2 draw, all four goals coming in uh, the first half. Chelsea went down 2-0, scored two goals in three or four minutes to spoil Liverpool's party, and then also have their party spoiled, their chance to keep some sort of pressure on Man City. Uh, But it doesn't change the fact that Chelsea have just one win in their last five matches. Meanwhile, Spurs are in the ascendancy, five wins, three draws, zero losses under Antonio Conte in the Premier League. The plus 12 expected goal differential, only 5.74 total expected goals against in those eight matches under Antonio Conte. Anthony, can they travel to Chelsea and earn themselves a shot at a trophy, their first trophy in God knows how long, your lifetime? Do you think that they have some betting value doing that?
1: So betting these Carabao Cup matches and you look at the lines, and you're like, man, Chelsea seems really cheap. And man, how is Arsenal favored against Liverpool? Well, how much these managers care about this cup plays a huge role in the trying to bet it. So based on all the reports, Spurs, one, are out of Europe. Chelsea is still in Europe. So that factors into the potential fixture congestion, how many matches their players are playing. Spurs also have not won a trophy since 2008, like you mentioned, Michael. So trophies and silverware is more important, especially this specific cup is more important to Tottenham than it is to Chelsea. And based on the team that Thomas Tuchel put out in the quarterfinal game against Brentford, I'm not sure how much he's going to put out a strong team here. First off, Edward Mendy and Hakeem Ziyech will not be available because of Africa Cup of Nations. They're going to be out for about a month, a little less than a month. Uh, That means Kepa Arisa Balaga is in goal. Now he might've played anyway. Because it is a cup match, but he's a significant downgrade in terms of shot stopping ability. Became a bit of a meme in the soccer analytics community for his poor play over the last couple of years. And that's why they went out and bought Mendy. I do think Spurs will rotate a little bit, but not a ton. I do think we'll see Kane, we'll see Son, we'll see Lucas. They're going to rotate at the weekend against Morecambe in the FA Cup. And so when you factor in all the injuries that Chelsea is dealing with, too, Ben Chilwell, Reese James, Andreas Christensen. Three of their main five defenders in the back line are all going to be out for this match. I'm not sure how much Tuchel's going to risk guys like N'Golo Kante and Thiago Silva, who have not been 100% of late. Of course, they played against Liverpool. That's a much bigger match. How much are they going to risk them here? Spurs actually have a better expected goal difference too. Since Kante took over in November, they've been the third best team in the league. Lukaku seems pretty unlikely to play given the rift between him and Tuchel at the club right now. Spurs will be happy to let Chelsea have the ball. And then look to counter. They've been very dangerous on the counter. Chelsea's pretty vulnerable when they don't play their best midfielders. Two counters. I think this is all Tottenham here. I took them plus a half, minus 110. Going to be also sprinkling on the money line too. I know they're away from home and they'll probably just take the draw and then come home next week. But I think this is a good Spurs spot and there's a good chance this line crashes quite a bit if we get team news that Chelsea's going to play a lot of their reserve players.
2: Yeah, I actually think We could see Lukaku in this one. It did seem like the reports out of the training from today were that he was running really hard and the rift is behind them. What a hilarious kind of situation that was. But I'm with you. I think Tottenham, they're on the ascendancy while we're kind of just waiting to see where Chelsea goes. Like, is this, are they going to be in this inconsistent but good team for the rest of the season? Are they going to find their legs like they did uh, when we kind of thought that this wobble was coming earlier in the season and then they started to rattle off results? I'm not totally sure. And I think the number here is just, way too good on Tottenham especially right now before we know what Tuchel's going to do with the lineup near three to one on this team who are firing on all cylinders right now they they dominated against Watford just didn't have their shooting boots on their feet probably should have won that game by a couple more than one nil against the defense that was just leaking and leaking and leaking before that match but I still have a lot of faith in this team right now I think that if they were playing basically anybody else we'd be seeing or, you know, if they are playing Liverpool or Arsenal in these matchups, the line would be tighter. I think Chelsea's just getting way too much respect in this situation. BJ, I know you don't like them. What do you have to say about Spurs right now?
0: Well, I mean, yeah, this is a kind of a wait and see what the lineup's going to be. Chelsea, obviously a lot of their best players are missing, but, you know, Chelsea's one of these teams, a lot like Liverpool and City, that they have a ton of depth. So, you know, if they have to play Pulisic and Mount, you know, and Havertz up top, that's still... A good front three, (laughs) you know, it's obviously not Lukaku, but you know, if they have to, you know, go into their midfield and play Sal and play, you know, Dregino or whoever, you know, it's, it's still a good lineup, you know, maybe it's not their best, but you know, when these two teams met early in the season, I understand it was under uh, Nuno, but Chelsea completely dominated Spurs three, nothing. 2.5 2.5 expected goals to 0.7. Now things have obviously changed Tottenham. Obviously I think a trophy means a lot more to them uh, than any of the other three teams left in this tournament, but you know, it's is kind of a wait and see it will probably end up firing on Spurs, even though I don't really want to, but I want to wait and see what kind of lineup, not only Chelsea comes out with, but what Tottenham comes out with as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, Chelsea didn't play any of their main attackers uh, in the last meeting. Uh, uh, they didn't play any of their main attackers against Villa earlier in this cup either Now, that can change once you get to a semifinal. Tuchel may take it more seriously. Chelsea also has City. Spurs have Arsenal coming up the next Premier League match on the weekend after this, so the 15th. So, you know, maybe that impacts the second leg more than the first leg, but I'm just not sure. I think you're getting a bit of a free roll here because, like you mentioned, Tottenham has incentive to play everybody, like Arsenal, who's not in Europe, whereas these Chelsea and Liverpool teams, of course, it's a cup final, so that's a little different. But when it gets to April they're going to be more focused on Europe and the Premier League than they're going to be focused on the Carabao Cup. And even if this were an FA Cup match, I think it's entirely different. But Klopp and Tuchel have not cared about the Carabao Cup. Every example we've had a chance to see them.
0: Yeah. And the winner of the Carabao Cup, I don't know if you've already mentioned this, Anthony, but the winner of the Carabao Cup gets a place in the Europa Conference League. So for these four clubs, that's not really that big of an incentive for them. You know, I mean, we saw how, you know, seriously Tottenham took the Europa Conference League this year and everything. And, you know, these clubs would rather be playing in the Europa League or the Champions League. And that's what they'll, you know, have their focus on as we, you know, go throughout the Premier League season, finishing in the top five to actually secure a spot in one of those leagues.
2: The other uh, semifinal, like Anthony said, these are the first legs. They come back for the reverse fixture next week. Uh, Thursday, 2.45 p.m. Eastern. Arsenal hosting Liverpool. The Gunners, plus 120 at home. Liverpool coming back, plus 235. The draw 250. Liverpool, they're going to be without plenty of players. Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, they're going to the Africa Cup of Nations. Roberto Firmino, Allison, and Joel Matti. All were in COVID protocol over the weekend. So we'll see what's going on there. That being said, you said it like Jürgen Klopp doesn't seem to take this competition seriously. But on this, the other hand, like this is Manchester City's won this trophy, what, four or five years in a row prior to this. And I, I know they get, they never got to the final or we're close to it uh, in the past couple of years. But I do think that with the league starting to drift there's very little hope left for Liverpool or Chelsea I do think that there will be a greater point of emphasis to try to rack up a trophy for any of these teams and that includes Liverpool and like you were saying with Chelsea like their depth should be good enough here I think to at least give Arsenal issues so I I do think that the number here on Liverpool is and if it keeps ticking up it already has I do think they're interesting here and I I never bet on this team I really don't because I always think they're crazy overvalued but I think that the lineup situation and and the perceived lack of motivation here could inflate Liverpool's price to a point where you just got to bet it so that's where I'm looking here BJ what do you have for this one
0: yeah I want to wait and see what Liverpool has for a lineup that's the big thing with all these you know if you're going to bet the Carabao Cup or even the FA Cup if you want to bet one of these bigger sides you have to wait and see what the lineups are because we just don't know how much these teams actually care about it now from an Arsenal perspective this is a great spot to essentially finally beat one of these bigger sides. You know, Saturday's performance against City was probably the most encouraging Arsenal performance of the last, you know, pretty much of the Mikel Arteta era against, you know, a big side. Liverpool is just so shorthanded. I, I don't see, you know, even with even uh, Minamino and uh, Origi are, are, are both. <laughs> are both uh, questionable for this one. And, you know, I mean, we might see some Eddie Nketiah. he might get another hat trick in the Carabao Cup. But again, this price is too short on Arsenal. I can't, even with Liverpool being, you know, as, as shorthanded as they are, it's, I, I can't play Arsenal at this number. You know, if, if Arsenal gets more, you know, drifts more towards a pick 'em. And then Liverpool doesn't really want to take this seriously. Like if no Diego Jota is playing, maybe no Jordan Henderson or even no Van Dyke, I might shift and bet Arsenal if they come out with a, a stronger lineup. But, you know, they're going to be without Thomas Partey and Gabriel for this one as well. So it'll be interesting to see what this line ends up at and what lineup Liverpool is it coming out at with. But for me, this one is just a pass. Yeah, it's been really
2: challenging in all sports trying to handicap who's going to be in and out of lineups because of the uh, pandemic and the Omicron surge. And then you throw in African Cup of Nations plus the will-they-or-won't-they-take-it-seriously angle, and it. it just becomes even tougher. Uh, Anthony, anything on Spurs and Liverpool from a betting perspective?
1: Yeah, you know, this line was a pick a few days ago, uh, and I missed out on that. And, and the number has moved c- considerably toward Arsenal since the Liverpool game on Sunday. That was a really physical game that Liverpool played at Chelsea, they were second best for a lot of uh, second and loose balls in that game. And I thought that was a pretty concerning sign. They looked kind of tired and the midfield of Henderson and Milner and Fabinho Henderson looks like he's lost a step. Milner looks like he's completely lost it in terms of his ability at his age. And then you start looking, okay, who can they turn to for depth in the midfield? Now is going to be in, in AFCON. Who are the options we're going to probably see some Morton again, there's just not a lot of good options for Liverpool to compete in this midfield. And I'm concerned Arsenal may run them over. So uh, I lean toward Arsenal, even at the number because I think Klopp is going to see the writing on the wall here and realize that he's just so shorthanded and he cannot tax his already taxed squad in these matches over the next week against Arsenal, plus an FA cup match, and then go play two big Premier League matches when they're chasing the title I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Klopp completely writes this off. So you can't play Liverpool here. And I, I don't only really lean or even look toward Arsenal. And I understand it's priced in, but I'm not sure it's quite priced in enough how bad the Liverpool team might be come Thursday afternoon when this game is kicking off. Because I know Klopp doesn't care about the competition. He thinks there should only be one domestic competition, the FA Cup. So they may even take Saturday more seriously again in the FA Cup but, uh, or Sunday. But uh, I, I don't think you can play Liverpool.
2: Yeah, we'll see. I, I have a feeling he's he's going to do something that we don't see coming. Maybe he'll just set up his team in, in a Sean Deitch 4-4-2 and not press and just let the game come to them. It'll be interesting to see, nonetheless, if the uh, EFL Cup is not really your thing. There's more e, uh, midweek action. Syria uh, is back, baby. And we have two headliners. Uh, let's start with a Thursday, 1230 p.m. kickoff between AC Milan. They're minus 105 at home, hosting Jose Mourinho's Roma, who are plus 295. The draw for this one is plus 265. AC Milan, they've scored 10 more goals above their XG this season, whereas Roma is has basically just been in line with their underlying metrics, which are pretty much on par with Milan. I think you're getting a pretty good number here on Mourinho's boys. So I'm going to take a shot on the money line, close to three to one. I think it's a good enough number between two teams that are near equal when you look at the under the hood stats. BJ, anything for you in Roma versus AC Milan?
0: Yeah, I love Roma, plus half a goal, minus 110. So the biggest thing, like you mentioned, AC Milan. 10 more actual goals than what they've created on their expected goals. The big reason for that is because they only have 17 big scoring chances this season, which is 10th in Serie A. And that's a big problem against Jose Mourinho's side, who that's their biggest weakness because they've allowed the seventh most big scoring chances in the league. In fact, Milan has only created four big scoring chances in their last seven matches. And Roma, who we talked about, you know, the last time we talked about Serie A, they've been improving defensively only three big scoring chances allowed in their last seven matches. So, It's going to be difficult for me to see how Milan is actually going to break down this Roma defense. Roma offensively though has been on fire. They're creating chances left and right. They're averaging 1.6 non-penalty expected goals per match, which is the second best mark in Serie A behind only Inter. The addition of Tammy Abraham has done wonders for them offensively. He's averaging 0.55 expected goals per 90 minutes, which is fifth best in Serie A for strikers who have played over a thousand minutes. AC Milan... They have been good defensively overall for the season. They're only allowing 0.9 non-penalty expected goals per match, but that's come against a lot of the bad offensive teams at the bottom end of the table. Against Juventus, Atalanta, Roma, Inter and Napoli they allowed 7.8 expected goals in those five matches. So I only have AC Milan projected at plus 136. If you look at 538, they only have AC Milan at 45%. And Info Goal also only has AC Milan at 46%. So give me Jose Mourinho's men plus half a goal at minus 110.
2: Yeah, the special one, baby. Anthony, you're coming with us, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My number is minus 142 for Roma to get a point here. So I like them quite a bit, uh, at least a point, that is. Roma's attacking numbers are even better than I think BJ mentioned, because I think the narrative on them is that they haven't been able to finish off chances this year. Uh, Tammy Abraham especially is is the number one guy, only six goals from about 9.3 expected goals. Uh, some other numbers have him closer to 10 expected goals. So he's running well below what you'd expect. He leads the league in posts and crossbars. So he's had a lot of bad luck. Uh, that's probably going to turn around for him in the near term and pretty soon. The reality is for this Milan attack, they don't have nearly the high-quality shot production that Roma does. And when you look at it, Milan is very reliant on shots from distance. What we know about soccer teams over the course of a 38-game season, the teams who create the best shots, which tend to be from the closest areas on the pitch, tend to have the most sustainable attacks. Well, Milan is the fourth worst in terms of shot distance. They've relied a lot on shots from outside the box, shots from the edge of the box to score goals. One major concern, Rui Patricio has been terrible. He might just be cooked. Uh, So that's a concern for Roma in goal. But I just cannot trust this Milan attack to create separation here. Also, uh, Frank Kessie and Ishmael Ben to the African Cup of Nations for Milan. They're one of the hardest hit teams. I'd argue that's their two best midfielders that are gone, which means it's going to be Sandro Tonali, who I happen to like, but I don't think he offers the defensive solidity that Ben and Kessie do. Uh, And so you're probably going to see Salamakers as well. Decent player, but not a difference maker. Milan's got a lot of injuries piling up. So I like Roma here. Like you mentioned, Milan not creating enough big scoring chances, going to rely on flukes and long-range chances to score. And I think it's very hard to do that and sustain it for a team that's yeah, clearly been in a bit of a downtrodden.
0: To your point, Milan, 15 shots inside the six-yard box this season. Roma, 35. So that's just
1: the difference between the two teams in terms of
0: creating scoring chances close to the neck. To back up your point, Anthony.
1: Yeah, when you look at the Roma attack, second in shots, second in big scoring chances, mm-hmm. second in penalty, uh, non-penalty XG per 90, it's just a better attack. And yep. the goals won't tell you that. The points won't tell you that. But when we get down to it, uh, I like Roma a lot more. And they can play on the counter here, let Milan have the ball. I think they're very effective there. Good for Jose Mourinho. Yeah, the underdog, one.
0: <laughs> the underdog
2: coming. We, we've uh, all yeah. faded him
1: quite a bit in the last couple of years, I feel like.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, think, now he's
0: re- reinvented himself. Look at Look at this flourishing offense he has in Serie A. Yeah,
2: maybe the markets are sleeping on on uh, yeah on Mr. Mourinho now. Uh, the other headliner in Italy is Juve, the old lady minus one hundred and five at home hosting Napoli plus three hundred and ten on the money line. The draws plus two hundred and sixty. Napoli a couple weeks ago were undefeated, top Serie A. And they've hit a hit a real rut here. They're two, one and four win draw loss in their last seven, uh, seven points, but they've been a little unlucky. Over those games, they should have had, according to expected points, about a dozen points. Meanwhile, Juventus, 3.7 expected goals allowed in their last seven. It does seem like they've started to refine their form under Max Allegri, uh, the form that he had with them during his first near decade in charge, there, where they won Scudettos every season. I think both of these teams, their strength is their defense. Their strength is suppressing scoring chances. So I think that this game uh, sets up pretty well for a draw and it's plus 260. I think that's a great number. BJ, I know you project a low total. The total itself is low. So I think you're looking at a low event game. That's where I like to get in on draws. And that's what I'm going to do. Plus 260 for me on a tie bj what do you have for this one
0: yeah the under two and a half goals is a little too expensive for me right now so instead i'm gonna go both teams to score no at minus 110 like you said these are the two best defenses in syria by non-penalty expected goals napoli only allowing 0.69 per match and juventus only 0.78 per match allowed combined this season these two defenses have only allowed a total of 15 big scoring chances for comparison salar nitana who's in dead last place has allowed 32 big scoring chances so That's how good these two defenses have been. Napoli matches have been extremely low event during the month of December. Their last five matches have featured only an average of two total expected goals and only two big scoring chances. Not to mention one of their best strikers, Victor Oshman is off to the Africa cup of nations this week. So it's not, it's not a good mixture here for Napoli going up against one of the best defenses in Syria. Uh, Juventus themselves offensively has been struggling to create high quality chances. They're only averaging 1.27 non-penalty expected goals per match, but they're, are a couple bigger issues at hand, like tactically, Allegri's playing out of a 4-4-2 intending to be more defensive. You know, they haven't really had the attacking players create a lot. They've been kind of reliant on Dybala and Alvaro Morata. I mean, they're, Leonardo Bonucci, who's a center back, has their third most expected goals created this season, which is kind of embarrassing for a club as big as Juventus. And also, I mean, the rumor mill is swirling with uh, Morata. He could be off to Barcelona by the, the time this match kicks off on Thursday or might even, not even be in the lineup. Who knows? So... For two of the best defenses in Syria going against each other, we get a, you're getting a both teams to score no line at minus one ten. I love the value there. I have the both teams to score no line projected at minus one sixty two. So that's where I'm going with this one.
1: Anthony, you're looking towards Allegri's man, eh? Yeah, I am. I think Napoli has really fallen off. And I understand they've been a little unlucky in the last probably month, but they were also running way too hot. Uh, and so you know they had some regression coming and, and kind of have balanced out roughly. I'm just not sure what's left of this Napoli team when you take out Koulibaly, who's gone, Onas, who's gone for the AFCON, both of them, and then uh, Victor Osman as well. Napoli has 35 goals from 29XG. They don't create a lot of high-quality chances like BJ mentioned. They're very reliant, like Milan, on shots from distance. They have the third-longest average shot length. True title challengers will almost always be in the top 10. And would you look at that, Juve is in the top 10. Their defense has been really impressive over the last month, month and a half. They've had a few fortunate results where they've you know, probably conceded enough to that they should have allowed a goal and, and kept one out. But that's um, very Allegri-esque in that way, and the way they're able to see out games. I think Juventus wins here. I agree with BJ. It's a pretty low-scoring game. But really, I think you're getting a Juve team who's a little bit lower in the table than they should be based on performances, and a Napoli team that's been in a bit of a free fall, doesn't have two of their best players, and really has not impressed much over the last month and still has some attacking regression coming too. So... I like Juventus on the money line, minus 110.
2: Like I said, there's a full slate of midweek games in Syria. Uh, is there anything else on the board that really piques your interest, BJ?
0: Yes. One of my favorite teams of the entire season has been Torino. I, I can't get over how good their defensive numbers have been. They're only allowing 0.8 non-penalty goals per match, only 10.1 shots per 90, and 9.5 box entries per match. That's all top five in Syria, but somehow... They're sitting right in 11th place right now. I mean, even their last match, you go back right before the break, they were on the road to San Siro take on Inter, who is the best offense in Italy, averaging around 2.2 expected goals per match, held them to a 1-0 loss and only allowed them to create 0.9 expected goals. In fact, Torino has only allowed 10.9 expected goals in 19 matches from open play, and that's the second best mark in Serie A. You know, Atalanta, they have a great attack, but the star of their attack, Duvan Zapata, has injured for this one, likely going to be out. That's detrimental to them, because he's averaging 0.83 expected goals per 90 minutes, and his rated 33%. Of their expected goals in Serie A this season. The big thing with Atalanta is they they're the third lowest pressed team in Serie A, and when they do have to face pressure, they're pretty average. They allow a little under you know a 30% successful pressure rate. Torino is the best pressing team in Serie A by passes per defensive action and pressure success rate. So I don't think it's going to be very easy for Atalanta to move the ball into the final third and into the penalty area on one of the best defenses in the league. Torino offensively they've been slightly above average, only about 1.2 expected goals per match. And the really only advantage they have in this is big scoring chances. Atalanta is pretty susceptible to allowing them. They've conceded 17 this season, while Torino has the sixth most. I only have Atalanta projected at minus 106, and they're spread at minus 0.48. So I love Torino plus one at even money right now.
1: Anthony, uh, what do you have as your favorite bet for Serie A's midweek action? I'll second BJ's Torino pick uh, as Ivan Yurich revolution continues. He was at Verona. They were excellent defensively. Now he's at Torino. They have shot up in every defensive metric. Uh, and we're pretty unlucky to lose 2-1 to Atalanta earlier this year. So some revenge on their minds. I like them plus one one-two. But the one game I'm looking, I'm not as low on Fiorentina maybe as BJ is. Uh, but I do love losing money on Udinese. So as much as the next Serie A better, I'm going to hop on Udinese. Uh, plus a half Fiorentina fifth and expected goals for third in goals since October began. So they have improved and that is impressive, but they're playing a bit above their talent level. They probably do have some regression coming. I don't really think they're going to, they're really one of the top six, seven attacks in the league when you look at the talent and kind of the, the, the numbers on that. But the one thing that concerns me about this matchup against Udinesi Udinese runs a bit of a quick strike, counter-attacking brand. They don't really progress the ball, hold the ball forever, slow build up. That's not really their thing, especially since they lost to Paul uh, in the off season. So they won't really want or need sustained possession against Fiorentina. They match up well with Fiorentina because Fiorentina actually has pretty elite numbers at preventing opponents into their own penalty area and getting into the opponent's penalty area. That's a pretty encouraging sign for them, but they've been cooked when they do get teams do get into their penalty area. They allow the 10th, the 10th most scoring chances allowed. They have a poor average shot distance. They allow a lot of big scoring chances. Udinese will get a few of those on the counter. Uh, and so I like Udinese here plus a half. I like backing them as a dog more than as a favorite because they have had nightmares trying to beat these bad teams. there has been a lot of draws against lower Serie A teams, but when they get an overrated Fiorentina, I'm going to take them plus a half, and hopefully they can hold a lead if they get one because that's been a big issue for them various points of the year when I've tried to bet on them and when BJ has tried to bet on them uh, as uh, underdogs. Yep, I second that bet. (laughs) Of course, BJ will second a Fiorentina fade. Mm
2: -hmm. All right, uh, let's stay in uh, Serie A and just wrap up the Italian section of the program. Uh, They are playing a full slate this weekend as well. It's tough to try to figure out betting value before an entire match week but we'll do our best here we want you to go into the weekend as best prepared as possible bj uh do you have anything for the weekends uh syria matches
0: yeah of course i have a line in the sand game it's torino against fiorentina we just spoke about both of them i mean I've i've already said anything about torino i'll back up anthony's point on fiorentina Their expected goal numbers are improving. I'll give them that after being one of the more overrated teams in Serie A over the first, you know, I'd say quarter of the season. But they tend to really struggle when they have to play good defenses. Against Napoli, Torino, AC Milan, Inter, Juve, and Roma, Fiorentina is averaging only 1.03 expected goals per match. Against the rest of Serie A, they average 1.84 expected goals per match. Dusan Vlahovic, he's good. I'll give him, he's a great young striker, but he's not as good as the numbers he's putting up right now. 16 goals off of around only 11 expected goals. That's going to tend to regress towards the mean. I mean, even his expected goal per 90 minute scoring rate is 0.54. That's lower than Tammy Abraham and Tammy Abraham only has six goals. So he's going to regress at some point, you know, towards the mean. Fiorentina doesn't really do a lot of their scoring from open play. They've had, they've scored some goals off set pieces. They've had a lot of penalty luck. Only 22 of their 34 goals have come from open play. Six penalties. That's third most in Serie A. Also their road form has been horrendous and they have a plus 8.9 expected goal differential at home, but minus 1.7 expected goal differential on the road. When these two teams met early in the season, Fiorentina walked away with a two one win, but only created 0.6 expected goals and only had nine shots total for the match. So, I think it's going to be really difficult for them to score against the second best defense in Syria. A. This is one of the biggest edges I think I've had in Syria this uh, season. I have Torino projected as a minus 103 favorite, and they're currently, their draw no bet line is minus 110. So I love Torino <laughs> pick at minus 110. And if uh, Fiorentino wins this game, um, I guess they've defeated me for the last time.
1: Uh, Anthony, anything over the weekend uh, for you in Syria? Yeah, there's a couple of spots. You, you kind of circle immediately. Udinese at home against Atalanta looks like a good spot, but it depends on how Atalanta plays against Torino. Will they be overvalued? Will it be a bounce back spot for them? Uh, same with Torino against Fiorentina. We have to wait and see how those matches play out. The one spot I do somewhat like is Inter Milan against Lazio. Under three goals is minus 120 right now at DraftKings. I'd grab some of that. Uh, Inter Milan, excellent offensively, but consistently tends to get an overinflated in the way that they uh, score goals and, and they have the ability to go off at any point, but again, a little over overvalued. It's also a revenge spot for them because they got pasted in a weird loss to Lazio earlier in the season. So I think they'll want to, you know, set a win a little bit defensively and play more solid at the back after conceding three to Lazio. With that being said, Lazio has a ton of attack and regression coming. I think they're the most overrated attack in Europe right now, maybe them or uh, Verona, but that team, especially away from home, has not been able to control the ball, has not been able to create chances, uh, and I think they're very overrated. So I think it's a good, good spot for a sleepy under that Inter should win comfortably, but do not think it's going to be nearly as high scoring in both teams. Not quite as good as that number suggests at scoring goals. All right, uh, from Italy, we'll move on to Germany, and the Bundesliga is back as well.
2: I'll kick this section off with my favorite bet. It's one of us who's going to do it. It's the tried and true Bayer Leverkusen fade. They're minus 125 hosting Union Berlin, who are plus 330 Saturday morning, 9.30 a.m. Kickoff Union third best expected goals against fourth best goals allowed in the Bundesliga. They're also third best at preventing big scoring chances. Meanwhile, Bayer Leverkusen 14 goals above expected on the season. At some point, this team will come down to earth. It may be in six years from now when we're all fired from our jobs for losing so much money betting against them, but I'm hoping that maybe a little bit of it happens here against Union Berlin, three to one on a team with this good of a defense. Hopefully they can prevent this overrated Leverkusen offense from creating enough chances to get any margin here. So that's where I'm going in the Bundesliga. BJ, what do you
0: have? Yeah, that overrated offense, the the best striker in the world, Patrick Schick, Man City, is actually in right now. That'd be fun if he actually joined Pep Guardiola's side. No, I'm going with uh, Mines plus half a goal, plus 120 against RB Leipzig. RB Leipzig, obviously, they sacked Jesse March about a month ago, but they've been playing better in their last three matches. <laughs> they've created, you know, nine expected goals, and that's great. But, you know, the clubs they face, they face Gladbach, who is just Swiss cheese right now defensively, Augsburg, and Armenia Bielefeld. So not really the stiffest of competition now they'll be going up against one of our favorite teams on this podcast and one of the best defenses in the bundesliga minds who is only allows 1.12 expected goals per match that's second behind only Bayern munich and has allowed only nine big scoring chances this season which is the best mark in the bundesliga and that's huge against an rb leipzig offense that just creates big scoring chances for fun rb leipzig's defensive issues you know they've had them all season long they haven't really gone anywhere they obviously they held Augsburg and Armenia the uh, 2.1 expected goals in the last two matches before the break, but I wouldn't exactly call those issues fixed, you know, since those are two of the bottom five offenses in Germany. In fact, RB Leipzig is allowing a whopping 1.57 expected goals per match and have allowed the fifth most big scoring chances in the Bundesliga. They have only held their opponents under one expected goal four times this season. That is really concerning for a team that was one of the best defenses in the Bundesliga last year. Mines beat RB Leipzig on opening weekend, and it was an outstanding defensive performance. They scored in the 10th minute and then held RB Leipzig to 1.1 expected goals and 17 shot creating actions, despite Leipzig having 70% possession. I only have Leipzig projected at minus 107, so I like value on Mines plus half a goal at plus 120.
1: Anthony, uh, you're back on the box. On November 23rd, I said on this podcast that it was a good time to buy some Gladbach plus 550 to finish top four. Their underlying numbers were much better than their actual numbers. Uh, They were trending in the right direction. They had just uh, won a few in a row. Now they had beaten Bayern 5-0 in the cup. Since I said that, Gladbach has played five matches. They have lost four, drawn one. They have conceded 19 goals in those five matches. They have scored five. They lost 6-0, 4-1, 4-1, 3-2, and then gave up a late goal to draw Hoffenheim 1-1. Now this defense has fallen off a cliff But let's think about this number for a second. They're plus two at Bayern Munich, a fixture they lost 6-0 last year. Now you're saying, why am I betting them? Well, opening day of the season, they played each other at Borussia Park. Gladbach was plus one in that game. They outplayed Bayern for large stretches of the match, almost won it late, ended up in a draw. Then they played Bayern at home again in the cup. They were plus 1.5, beat them 5-0. Now they're plus two. Now I understand it's on the road, but it's not worth a full goal to go on the road. And I understand Gladbach is underperformed and Byron has overperformed, but the reality of these two teams is closer to the middle of the expectations than we actually think. And my projections make them about 1.6. So I can't get to under any circumstance in this game on Gladbach. They've been a disaster. Only three teams in the league have a worse XG difference since October began than Gladbach. But again, the XG suggests they're conceding about a quarter goal per match more than they should be. They're scoring almost half a goal less. They have some crazy numbers in the sense they're still in the top eight uh, in difference for the year, yet they are in the bottom six in the table. So they've got a lot of regression coming. And look, there's been a lot of rumors about Adi Hooter's job security. Players like Dennis Zachariah may be leaving. But if you're going to have an all-in effort and your club is in a bit of a mess right now, the all in effort is going to come against Bayern Munich, a team you've had success against in the past. Don't forget, they beat Bayern last year too. So they've beaten Bayern three times in the last six meetings. So at plus two, I have to take this number. I will be sprinkling money line because I'm contractually obliged to bet Gladbach on the money line when they play Bayern. Uh, and I, they could lose by five and I'll look really dumb, but I love uh, Gladbach plus two. And if they play anywhere near their talent level, it should be probably be one and a half here, not two. Kind of like Bayern.
0: I agree with all your points.
1: I dare you to bet byron I dare. Okay. I mean, they're they're dropping. The minus
0: two is dropping. Minus two is only plus one hundred at uh, DraftKings right now. So that drifts to to plus one ten. I might have to play byron
2: On that note, we'll plus move on to Spain and La Liga. Anthony, I'll let you start here. If you got one full slate of matches coming our way over the weekend, what do you see here?
1: Real and Atletico Madrid, both teams to score. Yes, minus one ten. I like this more when we did the podcast prep on, on Tuesday or Monday morning and Real didn't go score five against Levante, but this Real attack continues to be underrated in the market. The number seems wrong to me should be closer to minus minus one twenty five. Atletico does have defensive regression coming. They're not nearly as bad as the goals that they've conceded would suggest, but this game sets up. It could be dull. It could be boring, but I actually think that the, uh, the, the, the market's just wrong here, and it should be closer to minus 125, 130. So if you can find that out there, I'd play it. I don't love a ton on this slate. I'm going to look to fade Sevilla again after they stole a win against Cadiz, where they were barely better than them today. I think they have uh, Getafe, so I, they're minus one in that match. May take some Getafe plus one as well. But the, the first look for me immediately was the Villarreal, Atletico Madrid. Both teams to score, yes, minus 110. Like it to 125. Uh, BJ, you have anything in in La Liga
2: over the weekend?
0: Yeah, I'm going to stay in that same match. I like Atletico Madrid, draw no bet at minus 120. So Atletico Madrid's defensive numbers have been just incredible. They are only allowing 0.72 expected goals per match. That's not only the best mark in Spain, but that's the best mark among anybody in Europe's top five leagues right now. They've gone nine straight matches allowing less than one expected goal. So that's how good Diego Simeone's side is playing right now. I understand Villarreal has been just scoring goals for fun. 8.8 expected goals in the last three. That was against Vallecano, uh, a down Real Sociedad team, and Levante, which is the worst team in La Liga. The first time that these two teams met, Atletico completely dominated Villarreal, despite you know the score line ended two-two. But Atletico won on expected goals about two to point four. And in fact, Villarreal scored on their only two shots of the entire match. Atletico outshot them twenty-three to two. So for Atletico offense that has been pretty good this season, averaging one point four expected goals per match, and is third in big scoring chances and shots per ninety. I think this is a good spot for them to get all three points in the road, get back hopefully to at least somewhat of a semblance in the title race, even though it seems like a long shot right now. I only have Atletico projected at plus 111. So I like their drawing a bet line at minus 120.
1: At Villarreal in that game, I think it was my luckiest cash of the year. Plus a half. Yeah, 23 to two on shots. <laughs> even after Atleti got a goal and stop it, it was like an own goal and stoppage time to equalize. Yeah. Felt like the luckiest bet I'd hit all year. Still feels that way. Uh, my favorite bet in La Liga is my boys from
2: Bilbao, the best country. Plus 130, taking on Alaves. Bilbao, 3-0 win today over Osasuna. They are right up there with some of the unluckiest teams in Europe, according to their expected points versus actual points. They're second in uh, non-penalty expected goals allowed in La Liga. They're second in big chances allowed. Top six in most offensive metrics as well. Uh, yet, they are one of the lower scoring teams in in the division sitting right now at 20 goals scored in 20 games and 17 goals allowed. Yeah, they went into the game today against Osasuna with an even goal differential despite being about plus 10 in terms of their expected goal differential so Bilbao, I think they're just going to continue to be underrated. So give me them plus 130 against an Alavis team that is not very good across any metric that we look at. So I think that you're getting a pretty good number here on Los Leones. This number may dip after this performance, but I think, you know, plus 120 or better on Bilbao is pretty good. Ligoon also back this weekend. BJ, what do you have for us in France?
0: Well, it's just, you know, it's it's like a broken record now, but let's go back to Lille. I'm going to go play something a little different here with them taking on one of the worst teams in France, Lorient. I'm going to play them to win nil or to win in a shutout at plus 135. The little defensive numbers, I mean, there's still... Incredible. Only 0.93 non-penalty expected goals allowed per match. Only 11 big scoring chances allowed this season. That's the best mark in France. Now they're going against a Lorient side that is dead last in big scoring chances created. They've only scored three times in their last eight matches. And they've also lost nine of their last 11 matches in league on play. Lille is unbeaten in their last 11 matches in all competitions. And their offense has been on fire averaging 1.9 expected goals per match, while Lorient is a bottom five defense in every single metric that we look at. I think this is a great spot for Lille to get a nice little 3-0 pasting. So Lille to win nil at plus 135.
2: And Anthony, you have something for us too, right?
1: Yeah, L'Amour, Les Ampo and BJ betting on Lille. Death taxes and BJ betting on Lille. Uh, yep. Just beautiful. Uh, may join you on that again. I joined you last week and they, yeah. they won. So that was cool. Stop it. Uh, but my team, and they are officially, I have declared them the biggest luck box in all of Europe, Montpellier. Absolute joke numbers. Fifth in the league, despite an attack that suggests their bottom 10. Their actual goal difference is plus nine. Their expected goals is way worse than that. We'll be fading them at some point, either going to go under two and a half or I'm going to take Troy plus a half this weekend. They must not get away with this forever. Don't bet league on a ton, but I know a luck box when I see one. And I want to fade them with that. We'll move on to our favorite underdogs. And as always, I will warn you that these
2: bets are not for the faint of heart. They are underdogs for a reason, but we can't look away from certain teams and certain prices on this show. And Anthony, you can't look away from one team
1: in particular. Tottenham tip top Tottenham uh, plus 280 against Chelsea in the Carabao cup. I think this is a free roll. You either have Spurs at, at a relatively good number. Plus 280, and in, in the way they've been playing, they've been one of the three best teams uh, in England on recent form. And you're getting a potential that Chelsea plays an incredibly weak team in the first leg of the semifinal and doesn't really care. And then the price drops considerably. So I'd lock it in now, uh, but I like Spurs plus 280 on the money line in the Carabao Cup. BJ, what's your favorite underdog this weekend?
0: I love who, who's been an underdog his entire life, the special one, Jose Mourinho <laughs> and Roma plus 220. At home against Juventus this weekend, we kind of already spoke about both these teams, but Roma, unbelievable offense, 1.6 non-penalty expected goals for match, second in big scoring chances, uh, second in shots per 90 going up against a Juventus offense that, you know, has been struggling kind of uh, a-, a tad, you know, the Leonardo Bonucci. Third most expected goals created on the team. Alvaro Morata might be leaving for Barcelona by the time you know this match is being played. Juventus also really struggles when they have to play a good defense in five matches versus the top six defenses in Italy by expected goals. So that's Napoli, Torino, AC Milan, Inter, and Roma. Juventus has only created 5.5 expected goals. And the last time these two teams met... Juventus kind of stole a a 1-0 win against Roma. Roma kind of dominated them, One on expected goals, 1.4 to 0.8, had more shot-creating actions, more touches in the penalty area. This is a great spot for Roma, who I think is a little undervalued here. I only have them projected around, you know, plus 180. So give me Jose Mourinho again for the second straight time in about three days to grab all three points.
2: For me, Union Berlin plus 330, taking on Bayer Leverkusen a terrific defense in Union Berlin. Like I said, they're ranking top four in basically every defensive metric in Bundesliga. And then you got Bayer Leverkusen, an offense that is due for some major regression. They've scored 10 more goals above their XG this season. So I'll take a shot at a good number here, plus 330 against the team that we like to fade on this show. That's Bayer Leverkusen. So Union Berlin, Tottenham Hotspur over the midweek, and then Roma this weekend over Juventus. You parlay all three of those teams together. You're looking at a 50 to one ticket. uh, If all three get the job done, which they won't. Uh, But that is going to be fun. Anyways, it'll be a fun one to lose. All right, uh, let's move on to our best bets. We're red hot in this section of the show. So we'll try to keep it going. Uh, For me, talked about it a little bit earlier. Athletic Bilbao plus 135 over Alavis uh, in La Liga this weekend. Bilbao. Not only is their defense one of the best units in La Liga, their offense top six in most underlying metrics that we look at, this team is due to go on a run at some point. They should start surging up the La Liga standings, uh, but they just haven't been able to piece together the consistency yet, and I like them to start doing that now. They're coming off a 3-0 win over Osasuna in the midweek, and I like them to carry that momentum here against a team that rates out very poorly in both offensive and defensive xg numbers uh so give me los leones plus 135 over alaves this weekend bj what is your best bet
0: torino draw no bet at minus 110 against fiorentina on sunday this is a line in the sand game for me torino is one of the best defensive teams in Serie A. second in non-penalty expected goals doesn't allow a lot of big scoring chances fiorentina was a highly overrated team for most of the season they've steadily been improving their you know expected goals numbers but When they have to face good defenses, they tend to crumble offensively against Napoli, Torino, AC Milan, Inter, Juventus, and Roma, essentially top six teams by expected goals allowed in Serie A. They're only averaging 1.03 expected goals per match. When they play the rest of Serie A, they average 1.84 expected goals per match. So a pretty big gap when they have to actually face good competition. Fiorentina has Serie A's leading goal scorer, Dusan Vlahovic. He has scored 16 goals this season, but only off of 11 expected. So he's going to regress to the mean at some point this year and probably going to come against one of the best defenses in Italy. Fiorentina kind of in a luck box in terms of actually how they score their goals. Only 22 of their 34 goals have come from open play. They've been benefited a lot of penalties, scored a couple goals off of corners and set pieces. That's not really going to happen against a Torino team that's excellent against set pieces. Fiorentina not very good on the road compared to how they are at home, plus 8.9 expected Goal differential at home versus a minus 1.7 expected goal differential on the road. So give me Torino. Draw no bet at minus 110 at home. And Anthony, bring us home.
1: Borussia Mochin Gladbach plus two on the road at Bayern Munich Friday afternoon. I cannot get to two on this number. My projections make Gladbach about a 1.6 goal underdog. They close plus one. At home against Bayern on opening day, they closed plus one and a half at home in the cup match they played earlier this year. Gladbach's had a lot of success against Bayern in the past. I know they've been an abject disaster in the Bundesliga. They've been the fourth worst team in the league. Only three teams have been worse by expected goals since October began. They've been leaking goals defensively, but this squad has way too much talent to stay down forever. They have a ton of attacking regression coming in that they've conceded about 0.25 goals more than they should have per per match this year and they've underperformed their attacking numbers by about 0.4 0.5 goals per 90 so this team has a ton of attacking regression coming hopefully it comes on friday at Bayern. they've had a lot of success against them before and i think they will keep this competitive at Bayern plus two uh, i like gladbach and that'll do it
2: uh, for this week's only episode of Wonder Goal. Like I said, with the Premier League being off this weekend in lieu of the FA Cup, we won't be back on Thursday morning. But instead, we will see you on Monday. So until then, for Anthony Debundo, for DJ Cunningham, I'm Michael Ebach. Good luck with your bets this week and this weekend.